You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions, and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. Today's episode is in the wake of the 20th anniversary of the tragic events of September 11th, 2001. We all know what happened that day, so I'm not going to belabor any of that, but I do want to focus, most importantly, on number one, honoring the lives of those who were lost, and doing that by looking for lessons that can be learned from that era about how we can take that experience and learn to be better leaders overall and better people individually by becoming better communicators. Now, just about everybody who's listening to this show, I'm sure uh, was most likely remembers that event firsthand. One way or another, you were directly or indirectly affected. Uh, Now, personally, I lost two people who were very important to me, one of which first was my cousin, Matt, Matthew Douglas Horning. He worked in one of the towers in New York, and well, unfortunately, he's no longer with us as a result of those attacks. And similarly, a good friend of mine from high school, Christopher Ingracia, was also in the towers that day, and both of them were lost to us. And our families will never be the same. You know, I just celebrated literally a couple of weeks ago, just went to a high school reunion. I won't tell you which one, but it was very palpable that there was definitely a gap. Someone was missing from that. And when we're at holidays, there's also a gap of who is missing from the table, who should be there. Everybody's lives were affected. And I think every generation has some sort of a story, their version of where were you when something really specific, some big world-changing event happened, whether it was Pearl Harbor, when President Kennedy was shot, when the space shuttle Challenger exploded. And most recently for us, it was the attacks of September 11th. Now, I know for me personally, I had just moved to Philadelphia. I'd been living in Japan for a couple of years. I'd been back in the States all of maybe three weeks, maybe four. I had just moved to Philadelphia to start my PhD at the University of Pennsylvania. And that morning I was teaching a class. I was teaching an 8 a.m. class. I was finishing it up, walking across the beautiful campus. And I remember looking at the sky and thinking to myself how perfect the day was. I actively remember walking back towards my building where my office, where my office, my desk, my cubicle was at the time. And marveling at how perfect the temperature was, how blue the sky was, how fluffy the clouds were, and how excited I was to be starting this part of my, this next chapter of life. And then I walked into the building and all these people were gathering in common areas where TVs had been rolled in on carts in the university buildings. This is before there were monitors everywhere. It's amazing to think it was actually that long ago. And I remember saying, you know, what's going on? And somebody said, Someone flew a plane into one of the towers. And I just 
remember thinking that they did what? Like that they that can't be right. They they've got to be exaggerating or there must have been a terrible I don't know what I was thinking, but my brain went every direction other than processing the reality of it. The irony of that absolutely awful, awful day and the horrors of the days that followed was that in those worst days of American history, it brought out the best in most of us. I mean, you think about the first responders who ran into those buildings, who ran into the the piles, who ran into help so many others for days and weeks afterwards. You think about the volunteers who went to help, who donated everything from blood to water to first aid supplies, brought food just to, to people who left their jobs, who left their hometowns, who left their universities to go and volunteer for days or weeks on end, feeling like they just wanted to contribute something to the greater good. I know that for me and for my family, we hugged each other tighter every time we got together, whether it was just for lunch or for a holiday gathering, for for months and months, and frankly, even now, we hugged tighter as a result of it because we understand, we, we were forced to come to much clearer understanding and appreciation of how important we are to each other. You know what? In the class that I was teaching, my students were journaling from week to week, and one of my students at the time was a 25, 26-year-old guy from from Saudi Arabia. His government had actually sent him to work on his English while he was there. He was quite fluent, really nice guy, was there with his wife in the States for, for six months or so, and his journal from a couple of days after that event was a testament to how absolutely amazed he was at how American people came together, not just among themselves, but how they even tried to take care of him. How many people, rather than turning around and just blaming him for being of Middle Eastern descent and of from whatever other, from his country, but his religion, et cetera. They didn't care. The people on the campus who knew him, who knew his family were reaching out and saying, are you okay? We want to make sure that you're feeling safe because they, they knew that that's not what he was there for. And he said in his journal, this is why America is the leader of the world. And I don't say this to be all nationalistic or, or whatever else, but it's a testament that someone from another country who was fearful of being associated with the people who perpetrated those atrocities. He was the recipient of such love from the United States, from those who were around him, that he felt like that was a model for the rest of the world to live by. Everyone came together. Nobody cared in those moments whether you were Republican or Democrat. Nobody cared what religion you were. Nobody cared what your industry was or what your rank was. We were above all Americans. We were united. We shared more than divided us. We were a family, though dysfunctional at times, of course, as as every family is in its own way. But ultimately, we were a family and we were in it together. That has been lost. And that's the saddest part about these last 20 years. We have forgotten this. Somehow, things have been shifted 
regardless of whether it's over the last year, the last five years, the last however many years, certainly since then, there is much more now a focus on finding a black and white line between us and them, however people want to divide it. People have gotten vicious. The political partisanship, whether the, the social media posts, the fights about school uh, on school grounds, whether it is about vaccines and masks or whatever it is, it's just become nothing but anger and fighting. The irony is, you know, fighting about things like masks to the degree that it has become vicious. My mother always used to say, you know, Laura, your worst problem is your worst problem. And I think what she meant by that is if your worst problem is that you got a bad grade on a test, then that's going to be what you fight and scream and cry and holler about because it's in your world. It's the worst thing. On September 11th, nobody cared about a test grade in the moment. That wasn't what it was about. And I think looking back, when we look at what brought us together those days, they would have looked and said, really, you're fighting over masks? Okay, you don't have to agree on it. You can argue about what you believe or where it should or shouldn't be meant, but it's the, the fighting and the viciousness, the way that we communicate with each other, something there, that's got to give. You forget what's most important. So we need to remember those first few hours, those first days, those first weeks about how we all came together in remembering that was what was most important was our united needs what was most important to all of us. I hope we don't need another 9-11 to remember that sense of family, trying to come together, work together, work through our differences, talk to each other, help each other, listen to each other. Remembering that everybody who's involved in these conversations, they are a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, a, a daughter, a son. They're a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. They all have needs. They all have love. They all have fear. They all have uncertainty, just like we do. We all want the same thing, right? For ourselves, for our families, for our neighborhoods, and for our country. We want to feel respected. We want to feel listened to. We want to feel understood. We want to feel like we have opportunity. We don't expect to get everything, but we need to know that our voices are heard. And that means we need to know that people are listening to us. So, my request of all of you, my invitation moving forward is that when you are listening to or are privy to reading those awful exchanges that are going on, whether it's in neighborhoods, whether it is on social media platforms or anywhere else, rather than allowing your knee-jerk reaction to just kick in and lash out again, stop. Take a moment and breathe. Let's reach back in for a second, listen to the core of what someone else is saying. What is their motivation? What do they really care about? What are they really afraid of? What are their deepest concerns? Why are they arguing for this or for that? Be it to wear masks or not wear masks or you know whatever other the topic is. I'm just using that one because it's one of the hot button issues of the moment. But seek to understand the other person. Proofread your posts before hitting send. I know everybody finishes typing and then we just want to hit send and be done with it and feel that catharsis. But take a moment and read it again. Ask yourself, if my kids read this post, if my boss read this post, if my employees read this post, would they be proud of me? 
would I feel like this is a model that I could say, yes, it's it's fine if you respond to somebody else like that? Or would I have to qualify and say, well, no, no, you shouldn't do this. I don't recommend it. I just needed to do it because... And it's so easy to get sucked into that emotional fight or flight needing to, to have a momentary win to feel vindicated or to feel empowered through those moments that then we know come back to haunt us. We know they just create more back and forth that doesn't actually make progress the way we want it to. Think about the golden rule. How would you want that that person to respond to you? Would you want them to use the same language that you just used? How do we not take the bait? How do we not retaliate? How do we do the hardest thing in the world sometimes, which is just to hold our tongue and to say, you know what? It's just not worth responding to this at all. Boy, I know that's hard for me, right? Just when, when you feel like, oh, but I want to respond to that so badly. Is it going to make things better or make things worse? Really objectively asking. I hate asking myself that question. Sometimes I'm better at doing it than others. But more often than not, even though my hands are dying to, to write something or I'm dying to pick up the phone and respond, the, the better sense is somewhere deep down, I kind of know, you know what? I just need to let this one go. And if nothing else, avoid the generalizations and proofread looking, whether it's your oral speech or your what you're about to write to them, look for gross generalizations that put everybody into one of two buckets, us or them, because that's only going to continue to increase those divisions. But when in doubt, the hardest thing, find a way to forgive and to seek forgiveness for something that maybe you said that was a little dramatic or a little uncharitable or a little less fill in the blank. Forgive someone for what they said and seek forgiveness for what you said. That's even harder. Remember all of this, I'm saying today, I'm asking you to do this as a tribute, as your gift to honoring those who are lost and frankly, those who are left behind on that awful day 20 years ago. Let's make them proud, make them proud of us, be proud of ourselves. This is not just a public service announcement. Remember that all of these really are lessons that I myself am still working on every day, every single day, still working on this. This is not just me, you know, preaching to everybody else out there as if I'm perfect. I am not. So if, please, if I left that impression, know that it is not at all how I feel. I'm still working on learning these myself, and I'm reminding myself of these issues for the very same reasons. Matt, Chris, I love you. I miss you. And I hope I make you proud. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. 
The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.